Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, we heard a very jovial, I don't know about jovial, but he had some good things to say a little bit earlier. That would be one Bill Belichick. Tom Curran was in the house for that. We'll talk to Tommy on the Harbor One hotline in a mere moment because Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tom Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180 and by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. Good afternoon, Tommy. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Uh, Bill Belichick pumping up the work they did yesterday. That's about as excited a uh, description of an OTA maybe in the, uh, what, near 25 years of Bill B. Hoodsworth here in New England. Yeah, I mean, I, apparently they had a big day. I mean, I don't know how you define that, which was amusing because I tried to get them to do that. They had a big day. What's that mean? It was a big day. What is, what is a big day to you? So he essentially said we ran a lot of plays. So what we're watching right now, and we're out of practice, I can't give you play-by-play. That would be against all rules and regulations. But it's more of a correction day. For instance, I can tell you this, you know, with splits, for instance, for the offensive line, they have that big tape laid out where everyone's just getting their, you know, stances correct and the fits correct and um, going through that. So it's, it's very much a uh, fundamentals day. Oh, I hear the horn means there's a period yep. change. So, okay, so. Um, Fourier just twitched a little, by like, the way, Tom. Yeah, he had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that damn air horn. It brings me back. Um, hey, so the one thing I saw last week, what I heard, saw, read uh, last week was how Gasecki, there was another inside uh, run period where Gasecki didn't take part in that and went off to another field and started working with the receivers and the DBs. Should I read into that at all as far as, like, his – potential involvement in the run game, like being zero? I would say zero would be extreme. You have to run 12 personnel at some point. That's the most dangerous, as you well know, personnel that you can have in the National Football League when you have the uncertainty that's posed by the defense, on the defense by what do we have here. What's hard is you have a hybrid tight end wide receiver in Jasicki, and during that period, um, you know, Jasicki went with the wideouts. That's what Devin McCourty said they used to identify him as. When he was with the Miami Dolphins, he is a wide receiver. They would call it light. So are they going to be able to use him as any kind of a useful blocker in 12 personnel? Hunter Henry is certainly not a road grader. That will be interesting to watch. We'll talk to Jasicki later, actually. We have access to him after practice. So I'm going to ask him, can you block worth a damn, Mike? You know what you need to ask him? 
Ooh. Here's what you need to ask him. Oh, boy. He's like, what? I'd say with a smile. Yeah, say, oh, you were good at this, too. He'll like your hat. It'll be yeah. okay. I mean, he was in South Florida, so he knows the cover-up. Did the Miami Dolphins have a problem with his willingness to block? Yeah, we're not going there. No? Is that too harsh? Is that too aggressive? Well, I mean, I, I just met the guy. I, I would say Christian Fourier. That's fine. From WEEI, former Patriots tight end, said that the Dolphins, according to him, had a problem with your willingness to block. Accurate, sir? Yeah. Well, I mean, do okay, because his play did drop off last year. I, I do think there was, I guess, maybe a philosophical difference as far as what he should be doing and his willingness to do what they wanted him to do. And that's neither here nor there. I mean, I, mean, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, was he good at it, or are you saying you refused to do? I mean, that's refused to do. It. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. That was intelligence from the uh, Fourier uh, from the, the the Fourier camp. Tommy, I want to get your thoughts on this because Christian and I talked about it. If Mike Gusecki is going to play a lot in the slot, does that mean an evolution at that position that we're not used to? Or is he just a little bit of a, a curveball or a changeup or something like that from the normal guy who would profile to be a slot receiver in this offense? Yeah, when you look at it, they have really transitioned from it. They haven't had what you would call a traditional slot since Julian Edelman left. You know, Jacoby Myers is not sudden by any stretch of the imagination. He's angular, you know, six one, six two, six three, um, and he wasn't great after the catch. Juju Smith Schuster is better after the catch, but honest to God, he's built like freaking Frank Wycheck. He's huge. So he's like an H back. So he's a slot. He would be, to me, the replacement that they're really targeting for Jacoby Myers. And then you would say Jasicki would probably get some partial time there. I think Jasicki's kind of your your mismatch guy. He can be a deep down the seam receiver. Or even sometimes an outside guy or maybe an outside possession guy. It does impress me watching him run routes and drills here, his quickness. It definitely does. And we saw him when he played against the Patriots, his ability in the red zone to get open and make some very nice, difficult, in-traffic catches. So I think there's all upside to him except he's, you know, not the world's greatest blocker. Yeah, which is fine, to be honest with you, based on what they're gonna, how they're going to use him. So we're, tra- we're talking to Tommy Kern. He's down on the field at uh, Patriots uh, OTAs. Um, so, what about DeAndre Hopkins? What's the um, what's the feeling you get with that actually being a possibility of him signing here in New England? Yeah, to me, the Patriots have a tendency, and this is how Cam washed ashore at the end of the 2020 off season in June. Patriots said, "All right, where do we need more competition? Where do we need to get better? And who's out there that can help our team get better?" So that's when the Patriots transitioned from looking at Cam Newton and March as guys that they were not going to be involved with. And they looked at him and said, it's still June. He's still out there. Let's call him and see whether or not he'd like to come in. So the reason I'm going and explaining that is the team will look post minicamp at all the positions and say, where can we get better? If nobody has still signed DeAndre Hopkins and they come to some kind of an accord to bring him in, I would say they would do that. But to me, the chances of that are remote. He put together a very good season with a mishmash of quarterbacks in limited time last year in Arizona. There are better teams that would probably be interested, and he would have shared interest with them. So they could do it, as you know, by juggling the money and signing them for 12 13 or $14 million. But 
there's a part of me that says it's really putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a player who wasn't here at all. Broken play offense. <laughs> you know, the other thing too, Tommy, is what what kind of player is Hopkins right now? I'm not saying that, you know, he's fallen off the cliff. This isn't a Max Kellerman deal, but is he still that demanding number one guy who at any point can beat anyone out on the field? You know, I think there seems to be some questions as to how much high-end football he has in him that would be commensurate to a $15 million a year salary. Yeah, I mean, we can look at that game that they played against Arizona last year, right? And and you can look at all his numbers and all the analytics and all the you know numbers that he compiled, which were, again, very good pro-rated over the period of time he was out there. But I still saw a guy who was running around with the ball in one hand fumble at the end of the game <laughs> really in a game that was kind of competitive at that point and i'm like you can't have a 15 million dollar player who doesn't really like to practice and might give you peekaboo effort during the week show up on sunday and run around with the ball in one hand and fumble so again i don't know if the fit is outstanding for a team that was situationally dumb last year and disorganized and penalty laden they need to be more on their details And again, DeAndre Hopkins would walk in and be the best wide receiver they have. But does it make them profoundly better in terms of wins and losses and in terms of foundationally the direction that they're trying to put the team in offensively? Well, okay. Well, I mean, real quickly, though, I mean, wins above replacement. How many wins would you give them, like, additionally, if they had a guy like Hopkins on this team? I don't know how many I would give them, honestly. You definitely would think that it would be profound. And look. Well, I mean, not profound. Like I think, I mean, I would say two. I would say two. Yeah, but O'Brien's already worth three. So you need, now they're a 15-win team. <laughs> hey, mate, so you're saying there's a chance to go undefeated. <laughs> well, okay, well, okay. so uh, like shift gears real quick for me because I have another question after you answer this one based on my own inability to answer it. Um, Jack Jones. Now, was he the one – like, because I heard Bill, somebody asked him a question about Jack Jones, and mm-hmm. he was he was suspended at the end of last year, right? Is this the same Jones I'm thinking of? That's correct. Jack was okay. suspended rookie uh, player from uh, LSU, I believe. Jeez, did I just was lose it, I where Jack was, Jones went? Yeah, I thought it was Arizona State. Uh, Jack Jones was, exactly right. he, he ended was up at Arizona, Arizona State. State. Okay. Yeah. okay, so that was after going to Panda Express University. That's right. So correct. what happened, okay, and... How was the relationship now? Was it one of those things that everybody has kind of, you know, overcome and kind of, you know, gotten past? Or is, do you think there's still a little bit of, I don't know, animosity towards him based on how it all ended last year? At the owners' meetings, Bill at the breakfast articulated that everything was fine, everything's passed, and uh, it's good now. Uh, today was a little less committal, but, you know, you should catch Bill – one minute to the next in his mood, how deep in the press conference it is, his, you can't read in too much. But I think it was revolved around uh, injury rehab stuff last year, and there was uh, just a difference of opinion that was vocal that resulted in that. But, you know, young player, talented player, could use him out there. I don't think that right now there's any threat at all of him not being out there because of lingering animosity. Good stuff from our friend Tom E. Curran, who, of course, is all over it. He's with us each and every Tuesday at noon here with Gresham Fourier. TC, thanks for the time. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next week, friend. All right, guys. Have a great week.